Welcome to episode 126 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. It's been a while since our last show. Since we last recorded an episode of the GFP podcast, the Leafs are 4-0-2, undefeated in regulation. I just want to say that because there's been a lot of chatter this year about how terrible the Leafs are in regulation. They now only have eight regulation wins in 26 games, but they are 15-6-5 on the season, on pace for 110 points. Let's go. Just smashed the New York Rangers 7-3 at MSG. We have so much to get into in this episode. We are going to give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that's going on with the Leafs right now, catching up on all the games that we missed. And we're also going to talk about my second favorite team, the Edmonton Oilers. Aww. They're on a heater right now. As of recording, currently on a seven-game winning streak, probably going to beat the Blackhawks to make that eight in a row. So I promise you want to stay tuned until the very end. But now, before we get into all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepar. I think that was extra, put some extra juice into that one today. How are you doing today, man? <laughs> Ready to go, Bruno. You're pumped. Episode 126. Let's go. As always, my friend, happy to be here. Uh, I spent four days in beautiful Vermont, JP Vermont, for a hockey tournament. So I had to survive on NHL Network in the U.S. Different, man. Like the coverage is just different. The things they talk about, how they approach things, the personalities they have on. But God smiled on me because their game of choice on Saturday night was the Maple Leafs versus the Predators. So I got to sit in my cabin and watch the buds get the W. It was nice, man. It was nice. And it was nice to get like a just, just different coverage. Like here we are in Canada and, you know, we have TSN and Sportsnet and we just kind of go on those and those personalities and those are the guys we follow on Twitter. It was kind of cool to see like morning highlights in a different way, like with a different format and different people. Yeah, it's always refreshing because all we're used to here is Sportsnet and TSN and it's the same panelists who have been doing this for the last like 20 years. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to get a fresh perspective on things. But we got to dig right into this, Lapore, because there is a lot going on in Leafland since our last show. Our last show was in November, so Crazy. it's been a while. We have a lot to catch up on here. As I mentioned off the top, the Leafs coming off a really impressive 7-3 win over the New York Rangers. There was a point during the game where it looked like it was kind of getting away from Toronto. They had a 4-1 lead, then it was 4-3. But all in all, it was honestly one of their best wins of the season, in my opinion, and they've kind of strung together some very impressive games recently. So I just want to get your general thoughts on how you feel about this team right now, because it seems like they haven't been playing well this season. Like even when, again, I've, I've been harping on this for so long. You look at the underlying numbers, they're not great. But then when you look at the record, 15, six and five on pace for 110 points, they have a lot of injuries right now. They're battling through adversity. So what are your thoughts right now on how this team is playing? I think that what is not getting enough attention is sort of, I'd say, oh, what the Leafs are dealing with, because I don't want to go with like the whole boo-hoo, woe is me thing. But I just don't think there's getting 
what's not getting enough attention is how well they're doing considering what they're dealing with. And it's not a matter of, okay, you know, they have a couple injuries, one being their starting goalie, and they're putting like a putting up a pretty good record. But this team has AHLers on the blue line right now. We had our third string goalie in tonight, and we went into MSG and smacked the Rangers around. And I mean, like you said, this was probably one of their better, if not their best games of the season. But if you had listed off to me at the start of the season that Jordana was going to be out, Lilligren was going to be out, Timmons was going to be out for a while, Klingberg was gone, gone, and people are already laughing. But at the end of the day, he's still a defenseman, an NHL defenseman. And when he's not there, the Leafs are worse. It's better than to have him than nothing. So well, debatable. <laughs> but, I was going to uh, say, people are probably yelling at you. Yeah. Uh, addition by subtraction. Screens on YouTube. Being yeah, like, I'll take that Actually, one. he's terrible, John. Actually, he's terrible. But I do agree. Actually, I mean, he's, I think he's a little bit better than, than people give him credit for, honestly. Like, is he better than Lagerson, Lajoie? Yeah, than like, Billy Lagerson. I mean, yeah. Billy Lagerson is just out there kind of doing nothing, which is fine. Because... He hits people. I like how he hits people. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he's been totally fine. Even Lajoie, he's, you know, when you're not noticing those guys, it means they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm going to say uh, it's pretty on ben par Ross. with what we were getting. Maybe a little bit better than what we were getting from Johnny Klingberg. Yeah, so it's not, at the end of the day, people can talk about underlying numbers, like you mentioned, but having Lagasin, Lejoie, and Benoit on the blue line, it's still, it's pretty impressive that they can make this record, regardless of how they got there. At the end of the day, the goal is to win, and they are winning games. So props to them, man. Like, as Leafs fans, we don't give them enough credit when they're playing well, and how they're stringing wins together with the blue line they currently have, and now with Joseph Wall out, is awesome. And Leafs fans should be happy about it. I will say, I'm still not that impressed with this team. Just, again, based on the underlying numbers, their inability to control games, as we've been so accustomed to with this team. Like, we, we've been so used to them just dominating possession, dominating the shot attempts. That just hasn't been the case this year. And I don't even want to dig into the numbers. Like you can find this stuff, go to natural statric, wherever you get your, your advanced numbers. This team is not controlling play the way we're used to. And that still has me concerned. Now I am impressed, as you said, how they've been able to battle through adversity here. When you're missing three NHL defensemen, when you're missing your number one goalie in Joseph wall, it's tough. And again, I even said this really early in the season. People were not saying enough about like the time that the Leafs needed to adjust to this new lineup as well. Like, think about it, right? There was like three iterations of this team over the last calendar year. You go back to last year before the trade deadline, right? When Engvall was still on the team and Sandine. Weird. And go down the list, right? Then they make all those moves at the deadline. They get Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, Sam Lafferty. He was having a really good season with the Canucks, by the way. Jake McCabe. So all those new guys come in. Then they reset again this offseason where O'Reilly's gone, Shen is gone, Achari's gone, Lafferty's gone. In comes Klingberg, Domi, Bertuzzi, Reeves. So we've had like three iterations of this team over the past calendar year, all the changes they've been going through. Then you, you mix in all these injuries on the blue line. 
these injuries in net. And this team is still 15, six and five through 26 games on pace for 110 points. And now over the past, let's call it what the last three to five games has looked really good and looks like arguably the best team in the Eastern conference. So in that case, I'm pretty impressed. Santa baby, the season for a fresh cut is finally here with the sponsors of today's show. My God, that was terrible. But this is all about Manscaped. All right. The leaders in below the waist grooming have just launched their fifth generation lawnmower to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. Take care of your special snowflake with Manscaped and watch your South Pole shine like never before. Get the best stocking stuffer of all by going to manscaped.com and using our exclusive promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Tis the season, Laporte. Tis the season. Tis the season for Manscaped products in your stocking. Gentlemen, it is Christmas time. The snowflakes are falling. Take care of your jingle bells. Make sure they're clean. Head over to manscaped.com, GFP20, for 20% off and free shipping. You will not be disappointed, whether it's for yourself or a stocking stuffer for someone you really and truly love. Jingle your balls all the way to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our exclusive promo code GFP20. So go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using GFP20. You mentioned the underlying numbers. It's weird. Someone posted uh, expected goals for percentages. And I think if you ask most Leafs fans at this point, what their take on Bertuzzi was, I think you'd get more negative than positive. Or I, I'm I'm almost certain you would get more negative than positive. But his underlying numbers are very, very good. Like I, there was one point where when he was on the ice, the Leafs were outscoring opponents something like eight to two. And the the scoring chances when he was on were way up and very and very low uh against when he was on the ice. So it's very strange because when it comes to the eye test, it's not there. And his numbers haven't been there. It's just there's something brewing there that's working. And on the flip side of it, I feel like Marner has kind of kicked it up a notch in the last couple of weeks, again, with the eye test. But reverse to Bertuzzi, Marner's underlying numbers have not been good. There's been a few games where his uh, expected goals for percentage has been like in the 30s. And like for Mitch Marner, low. And like consistently, like I think it was something that he wasn't higher than a low 50, something like eight or 10 games in a row. Marner's Sh- still under 47% Lapore for expected goals, four percentage. So you're absolutely right. And Bertuzzi still leads the Leafs. His yeah. expected goals, four percentage at five on five, over 61%. Crazy. Pretty wild because so Bertuzzi was just getting <laughs> dragged through the mud the first couple of weeks on the team, but... He's actually looked really good the last little bit. So you'd be on the side. You're happier with that signing at this point, greater than you're disappointed. Yeah, I've been impressed with Bertuzzi. And what I remember last year uh, for the Bruins in the playoffs, like it wasn't even his goal scoring. It was his playmaking ability. And you're seeing it now. Like he's made some really nice plays. His passing ability, his vision. He seems to be in the right spot almost all the time like he's he's playing well with 
you know, whether it's Tavares and Marner, who it happens to be right now, or even when he was playing with, you know, with Matthews and Marner, and obviously the lines have been shuffled all over the place. You know, he was all, I mean, he played with everyone in the core four at this point, but um, I think he's been doing a nice job. And even, yeah. even Domi for that matter. I think he's looked nice since they moved him back to center. I think he's settling in. The goals aren't there, but again, just like Bertuzzi, I think the playmaking has been really good. He just has to shoot more. Max just hates shooting the puck. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Domi situation plays out with regard to the lineup because I know I don't want to see him as the number three center going into the playoffs. Oh, you're concerned about that, eh? Oh, yeah. I think that's where they'd have to add. I mean, think of it. They added O'Reilly last year. Domi? Like, no, come on. We can't. So, like, I'm sure that's on the radar how they're going to work that out. And as far as Bertuzzi goes, when it comes to playoff time, he mentioned the series uh, against Florida. He had five goals, five assists in seven games, 10 points in seven games, five goals. So a lot of Leafs fans are saying, oh, it's for the playoffs, wait for the playoffs. But as a Leafs fan myself, I'm not too confident in just sitting around and waiting and watching the way he's playing now and expecting him to be uh, some sort of beast in the playoffs because, you know, that that would favor us far too much than reality would allow. Yeah, people are saying the same thing about Domi. Ah, don't worry about it. Just wait until the playoffs. But no, we want to see these guys playing well right now. We don't want to wait 82 games and expect them to flip a switch. Like, these guys got to be playing well right now because this team, it's like I said, through the first, like, 20 games, didn't really look that great. Uh, That's a quarter of the season, in case you didn't realize that. So it's time to get their asses in gear. Everybody, not just the core four. Would you reset? Would you resign Domi right now? Like, would if you could get in the time machine, would you give him that deal again? Yeah, I think so. Considering it's only a one-year, three million-dollar contract, I, I would be concerned. Like, if you know, I would have been really concerned if it was like a long-term deal. Let's say yeah. four to five years. Oof. I, I would still be scared to do that, honestly. Like, let, let's say Domi has a nice season, ends up with, I don't know, 50 points, something like that, has a good playoff run. I would still be kind of scared, honestly, to give that guy term because, you know, the Tavares contract is coming off the books in a couple of years. They have to re-sign Nylander still. Like, this is still an ongoing saga with Nylander. You well, know, kind of gone throwing away. money to, like, mid-tier players who don't really deserve it. So as much as I like Max Domi, I like Ty Domi, I like the whole Domi family for that matter, but you got to be very careful with mm. with who you're paying these days. Yes, yes or no, will Domi be a Leaf in 24-25? Oh man. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. Oh. Surprised. What do you think? It's tough because you just acknowledge, okay, you'd give him that contract again if we had the time machine, but would you give it to him at the end of this season, would you give him another year at three million? So I'm kind of on the side is I'd give him a little bit of a haircut there, and he's got to be willing to accept that, or he's going to want term. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna give him that haircut, so I think that's where it's gonna go. If I had to guess, I think that's where it's, he's gonna get like a three year three year eight million dollar deal or something. Yeah, along that's those not lines. that's not bad. I don't think I'd go more than three years with that guy. 
I, I just yeah. think you got to be very careful, especially when you're looking at like the mid tier guys at your lineup. You know, even like guys like Car- Callie Yarncrow for that matter. Like if you're going to give them a long term deal, and Yarncroke, I believe, got four years, you can't be thrown around money um, to anybody. Like it's just, it's just not going to work. And again, like the cap's going up. Tavares' contract is coming off the books, but I don't want to see Brad for living just. You know, and who knows? Who knows how the Leafs are going to do in the playoffs? Who knows what Max Domi is going to do and Tyler Bertuzzi, um, you know, when the games really matter and how that's going to affect negotiations and stuff. But you still got to be very careful with those guys. But then you could look at a guy like Hyman, for example. Like, would do you think the Leafs, if, if they could do it again, and I know the cap was an issue at the time, would they just give Hyman eight years, five million a year and not even think about it? No. The way he's playing now? I mean, but things everyone knew, like everybody knew with Hyman that in the short term, it was going to be a fine contract or a good contract. It was the last few years of it. And I think that's still where I stand. Why you'd give it to him right now, eight times five. Man, the way Hyman's playing, and I'll be the first to admit, I did not like that contract and I'm not alone there. I know there's a lot of Leaf fans who thought, man, like love Hyman as a player, heart and soul guy, but really an eight-year deal for five million per or was it a seven-year deal was a seven or eight-year deal for five million per? well he got seven the Leafs could have given him eight there you go so it was a seven-year deal that's right because obviously he changed teams and the team that retains you can give you that eighth year but honestly looking back I mean if the Leafs had the cap space I would have been totally comfortable now hindsight's 2020 but I, I would I would absolutely give Hyman that money the way he's playing yeah, now that you th- now that you mention it too, I mean, worst case scenario is what he gets blasted away into uh, Matt Murray and John Klingberg <laughs> Island, and th- Island, and the three of them are uh, sipping on something somewhere. I mean, so yeah, <laughs> fuck it, give him the money. Same question, Bertuzzi is Bertuzzi a Leaf in twenty four twenty five? I would say it's more likely that actually, I don't know. I-, I think it's more likely that Bertuzzi is a Leaf because I think oh. if they're going to prioritize one of those guys. It would probably be Bertuzzi. He's just a better player. But then the whole salary thing um, is obviously a big factor in this because Bertuzzi's just going to command more money. And you can't just be throwing, I don't know, six or seven million his way either. Honestly, the right answer, Lepore, is it's probably likely that neither of those guys are back with the Leafs. Well, with Bertuzzi, with the way his season is going statistically. Yeah, it's not great. That's hard for him to get in there and be like, I want seven million. Like, no, are you crazy? I mean, he's got to put up points and he's not. He's got to score goals and he's not. So that that's an awkward one. And I don't think he's in there saying, Oh, look at my expected goals for percentage. I mean, like <laughs> yeah, let's, exactly. Let, let's get real. So no, at the end of those at the end of the day, those guys they need their counting stats to get paid. They can't be looking at XGF percentage and trying to get paid because of that. Eight million bucks. That, that's that's going to be something to look at for the Leafs as the season comes to a close. And I think with either of those guys, there's no chance they sign before the season before the summer with the Leafs. I mean, there's no way that extension's done now. I mean, no. even if you're even if you're Bertuzzi, the way things are going, why would you, you're going to get hosed if you do it now? You're going to want to try to turn it on a little bit. The only guy who I think is going to sign is William Nylander before before the summer. I, I think he's going to pull a Pasternak. I still think it's coming. It's just a matter of when it's coming. 
and I'm sure Trey Living and Nylander's agent have been going back and forth. It's going to happen. I, I really do believe it will. It's just a matter of when. And I think it's going to play out like Pasternak. It's going to we're going to get closer and closer to the playoffs. And out of nowhere, I think he's going to sign like an eight-year deal for I don't know, man, ten and a half million, whatever the hell it's going to be. But I'm okay with that. I don't care at this point because I love Nylander. And if the no, Leafs lose him, then this entire operation <laughs> is over. We're opinion, shutting that. We're shutting down the podcast because yeah. we Willie Nylander plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, no, we're shutting down everything. The Leafs are shut down. GFP is shutting down. You can't, you can't lose a player like that. That would just mm. be malpractice at the highest degree. Cannot mm. lose William Nylander. No way. All right, let's uh, let's chat a little bit about John Tavares. Let's chat because about Tavares. what a night for him on Long Island, picking up a goal and an assist to reach one thousand career points. He does it in the barn in the city of his former team. The team, I, I shouldn't say the team hates his guts, but the fans certainly hate his guts. They were booing mm, the guy after still. he recorded his thousandth point. Absolutely gutless from Islanders fans. Have some class. The guy gave you his blood, sweat, and tears for what was it, nine years? But anyway, I just want to have a, a, a short combo here about John Tavares because, like, I've been guilty of, like, you know, even calling him, like, washed up at times or at least questioning if he's Ooh. washed up. And then you look at the stats, point per game every year, basically putting up the same production as he did when he was the captain of the New York Islanders. Um, what are your thoughts on Tavares? Like, are we not giving this guy enough love? Because, again, you look up at the stats this year, point-a-game player, he's doing what he does. I, I still think that he hasn't quite reached the heights that, you know, we thought he would with this team, even even from, like, a leadership perspective and guiding this, th- this team to the playoffs. Like, I still think it's been a disappointment, honestly. Um, but what are your thoughts on on Johnny Toronto? Well, I think it's kind of the same with all the big Leafs at this point because we haven't seen a real and true run. I mean, it's easy to say, but how much would we look back at the Gilmore-Clark era if the 93 and 94 conference finals didn't, didn't exist and this specifically 93 because they were so close to getting there? So I think at this point you do look at the body of work of Tavares and the Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Riley, all of them. And it's very good. These guys are some of the best Leafs the organization has ever put out. But until we see a playoff run, sort of the historical relevance is not going to be there. Right. And even, and sometimes too, when we're, we're going through something, we don't realize how special it is or how good we have it. And you look at Tavares he hits a thousand points, okay, and he's got a ways to go in his career. I mean, like I can see him playing for a while, and the way his body is, just the type of the somatotype he is, like I kind of expect him to. I don't want to say nose dive, but he'll slow down in his mid thirties. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh, John, so you Tim- want to have this conversation? Is John Tavares a Hall of Famer? Bruno, he's got what? 430 some odd goals in his career. So he should get 500. Okay. He's got the rest of this year and then the next year with the Leafs. And then who knows what he does after that, how many more years he plays. But I think it's, I'm pretty confident John uh, Johnny T is going to hit 500 goals. And then 
I don't expect him to be putting up, you know, 70, 80 points for the next five, six seasons. But like you said, he's been really consistent. So he's hit a thousand. And it's kind of funny when you look at the all time list of players and the points, because you get a thousand. And what they say Tavares was, he's like the 98th guy or 99th guy to hit yeah, a, a thousand like points. But then you look and there's a big clusterfuck of guys, like just over a thousand. But then if you're like 1300, you're like top 20 or, or something. And I'll have to look at that uh, in detail to get the exact number. But who knows where he'll finish? And he, he's not playing in the 80s. So the guy, the guy's a Hall of Famer. Lesser players than John Tavares are in the Hall of Fame. Now, I do agree that you could say there's lesser players than Tavares who are in the Hall of Fame. But right now, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he needs to do a little bit more. And you could actually look at him in the same lens that you look at Steven Stamkos. The reason I always compare these guys, it's not because they're both from Toronto, but it's because they're the exact same age. They came into the league one year apart. They're both centermen. They both have similar counting stats. But you look at Steven Stamkos, the guy has a 60-goal season. Um, he has over 500 goals, over 1,000 points. And he's obviously won two Stanley Cups. He's been to what? And I know one of the Cups, like, he barely played because he was injured. But he's been to, like, what, four Cup Finals now, Steven Stamkos? John Tavares has two playoff series wins in his career. Has never made it past the second round. I I just think he he has to do a little bit more. Um, He's never going to win a Hart Trophy. He's not going to win a Rocket Richard. Those days are past. He's obviously past his prime at this point. I just think he has to have, there has to be some better team accolades. He's got to at least get to a cup final or win a cup. I think if he wins a cup, then I think he's a Hall of Famer. No, yeah, Bruno, yeah. like That's I, a I think, slam dunk. I think he's in now. The guy brings a Stanley Cup to Toronto. He's a, he's, he's, he's a first ballot. And I wasn't giving enough credit uh, to the guys who put up big numbers. So to put in perspective, so let's, let's use our boy Matt's. Sundin is 30th all time in points and he had 1349. So like that that number is and this is how I always put it. So like that number, okay, 350 more points for Tavares. That number is attainable. We'd all agree that yeah, number is attainable. Okay. So can a guy who's in the top 30 of all time in scoring who didn't play in the 80s not be in the Hall of Fame? That, that's how I look at it. And yeah. especially f- 500 goals gets you in, Bruno. You can't be sitting there on 500 plus goals and not be in the Hall of Fame. And that's, and I'll say it like being from Ottawa, Senators fans are always quick to like, oh, like why did Sundin get in so quickly? And it took Alfredson so long, 500 goals. And I didn't make the rules as far as the Hall of Fame goes, but we all know like there's certain criteria and black and white stuff. If you score 500 fucking goals in the National Hockey League, you're going to the Hall of Fame, man. And, yeah, and, and I, I expect him to get it. That's fair. And I think the NHL is guilty of letting too many guys in. Like when you oh, compare the Hockey Hall of Fame to like the Baseball Hall of Fame or even like the NFL or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I should call it. Like it's a lot harder to get into those Hall of Fames than it is the Hockey Hall of Fame. And listen, Tavares right now, he's sitting on 435 goals. Yeah. 1,001 points. Like, the counting stats are going to be there. It's a good comparison comparing him to Matt Sundin. And not only, not just because they're both 
captains of the, of the Maple Leafs, but they're going to have similar stats when it's all said and done. But right now, Sundin has been more successful in the playoffs. Now, Sundin hasn't won a Stanley Cup, never played in a cup final, but he has a lot more playoff series victories than John Tavares. So, listen, he's going to hit 500. You could say he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe I just have higher standards at this point, and I think he has to lead the Leafs on at least one deep playoff run. And then I think you could say he's a shoe-in. But as of now, I just think he has a little bit of work to do. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that side of the debate. But yeah, the, NA, the, NA, the, the NHL Hall of Fame. It shouldn't, I mean, the NHL Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, it is soft. Like some guy, I like when people call it the Hall of Very Good. Not the Hall of Fame or Elite or whatever terminology you want to use. Because like there are guys, even guys I love. I'm not going to say names because I don't want to shit on them. Where like, yeah, players I love to watch growing up. But then they get in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, Hall of Fame? Mm. Yeah, you got to be like the elite of the elite. Yeah. There's, there's too many guys in there who just don't quite deserve it. Like even like Alfredson for that matter. Yeah, throw it in, eh? Bruno like, Fresenza. Really? I mean, Daniel Alfredson, he was a great player, man. I used to love watching the Alfredson Spezza Heatley line. Like, but come on, is that dude a, really a Hall of Famer? You see, I think, I think, and again, it's all the, the, and you saying that before as everyone's going crazy, it's not an insult to him. It's just saying, because people are, I hate when they, their discussion comes up of who should be in the Hall of Fame. And when people say, well, he's better than so-and-so, and they pick a random player that probably shouldn't be in anyway. It's like, well, you can always do that. And that's arguing against the standard that is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, if someone said to me, to show like I'm not biased, if they had it their way and with certain credentials, that Sundin wasn't, I'd be yeah. like, it's okay. fair. Like, I mean, again, you look at the all-time scoring numbers and that stuff, like the 500 and whatever, 560-some-odd goals he scored, was it? So it's like, yeah, maybe that's got to get him in. But there's a lot of guys, and like, like I will say it, like when Paul Correa got in, I was like, eh. like Paul Correa was a fantastic player. He was an elite player. But when I think of the Hall of Fame, it's kind of like when I think about a team retiring a jersey number. Like those are supposed to be like generational players, like once, like once in a generation franchise players. Just I don't know. I find it's too soft. And again, a lot of these guys who are there, who maybe I wouldn't give the green light to, I love just players. I just think the standard for what gets you that plaque on the wall in downtown Toronto should be a little higher. Yeah, like if you're looking at Tavares' stats compared to Daniel Alfredson, like he's going to blow him out of water. Exactly. Alfredson has 444 career goals. So Tavares is nine goals away from Daniel Alfredson. Alfredson, 1,157 points. So, I mean, if Alfredson's in, then you can't leave Tavares out. But then again, you could make the argument that neither player deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of a it's a weird situation. He's probably going to get in because, as you said, he's going to score. You know, you would think between five to five fifty, five fifty to six hundred goals potentially, depending on how long he plays. It's like, how do you leave a guy out like that? And uh, yeah, he might only win two playoff series in his entire career and make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, anyway, you know we're going to hear though, right? If he get, when he does get in. Oh, Leafs bias is because he played for Toronto. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, me the media just got him in and Sportsnet oh, and Diaz. And, yeah. Anything else on the Leafs you want to discuss before we move on to my second favorite team? 
really quickly, Bruno. Well, really quickly. Maybe we'll go on a rant and kill more time here just to bore people. So we often talk about how the Leafs are treated differently on the networks, on Twitter, because they're the Leafs. Everyone loves them. Everyone hates them, right? And even as Leafs fans, sometimes we give them too much credit. Sometimes we don't give them enough credit. And so let me tell you something. So I was in Vermont, like I said, and I had NHL Network. And here I am, had it on all day long, okay? And it's the morning, having my breakfast. And they do this thing where they'll just kind of branch off randomly and talk about a certain player. And they'll discuss a certain player. And they started showing highlights of Marner, okay? And then the panel, the three or four of them, started a discussion about Mitch Marner, okay? And let me tell you, Bruno, let me tell you, they were going off about how amazing Mitch Marner is. One of the guys even went as far as to say he thinks he may be the most naturally skilled player in the National Hockey League. Okay? And I'm sitting there, and here I am, the Leaf fan, like, smile on my face. Wow, these guys are pumping the tires of a player on my team. But it genuinely felt weird. It felt strange just to be watching a panel Talk about Mitch Marner, and it was all positive, all completely positive about how, like, he look at the numbers he puts up. He's a fantastic player defensively. This and they were just going off. And sometimes you need stuff like that to kind of slap you in the face or to kind of look at things a certain way. And it definitely did that to me because I was sitting there thinking, yeah, the, again, we talk about the media and how the Leafs are treated and how the fans treat the Leafs. But that would never happen on TSN. Oh, full no st- chance. Full it, stop. Actually, it might happen on TSN. It, it's more likely it would happen on TSN as opposed to Sportsnet, in my opinion. You think? If you watch any regional broadcast on Sportsnet, I feel like they don't totally lean into, like, this is a Leafs broadcast. Let's just pump the tires of the Leafs. Like, there's always something negative. And, hey, maybe even our podcast is guilty of that sometimes, talking a little bit too negatively about the team. But that is refreshing to hear, honestly, that, you know, a network like the NHL network is is gushing about how good Mitch Marner is, whereas I don't think we've gushed about how good Mitch Marner is probably since his point streak last season. And then prior to the point streak, it was all about he can't score in the playoffs. Remember, it was yeah. like that 17 or 18 game goal drought in the playoffs. It's like 90% negativity with Mitch Marner. And there's a little sliver of positivity when he has the point streak, when he's scoring goals with a fishbowl helmet. Uh, but they're few and far between the moments of positivity with Mitch Marner. It's a Hall of Famer. Right? <laughs> I mean, shit. If Tavares is getting in and Alfredson's yeah. in, Marner's in, Matthews Riley, is in, is Elander a Hall of Famer? Yarncrock. Keep going. <laughs> Where do we draw the line? Oh, my God. No, I, I love that, though, man. I think we can take a page out of that book and maybe we could even be a little bit more positive. Like how about Austin Matthews on pace for 66 goals? Yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'd love to pull up those lists from the off season, putting him outside the top 10 or even, I think he was even 20 players in the league. Oh, Remember those takes that Tage Thompson is better than Austin Matthews. Yeah. Tim Stutzla is better than Austin Matthews. Robert, Robertson. Jason other... Robertson. Get the fuck out of here. Austin oh. Matthews, a big fuck you to the rest of the national hockey league. And the people who thought maybe 
He lost a step. He's not quite the same guy he used to be on pace for 66 goals. And the best he, part of going it, after bro. what McDavid did last year, because McDavid's like, screw you, Austin Matthews. I'm going to get more than you did. And now Matthews is coming back being like, no, I'm going for 70 this year. And the reason why I feel so good, Bruno, is because he's signed. So we don't have that nervousness like we have with Nylander right now. Where we're, there's that part of us is like, whoa, cool it a bit. Whereas Matthews signed his deal. It doesn't kick in until next year. Score 100 goals, Austin. We don't care. You're locked in. Make, make us feel like we underpaid you. Just go off, my friend. Go off. Exactly. We can finally breathe. Although I'm still a little bit pissed off that it was only Return. a four-year extension. Yeah. And it wasn't more than that. But he doesn't get he doesn't get the vote on your Hall of Fame ballot because of it. Eh? You'll hold it against yeah, them. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm holding against Austin Matthews. I love everything about that guy except him not signing longer than a four year extension. The, the host of the GFP podcast will get a Hall of Fame ballot soon, I think. Yeah, I think so. At least one of us will probably yeah. get uh, credentials to yeah, vote on the Hall of Fame. I would think so. Yeah, why the hell not? Sure. All right, man. We have to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. It did not look pretty uh, about three to four weeks ago when they were two, nine, and one. They lost to the, the San Jose Sharks, who at the time were look were looking like arguably the worst team in NHL history. I know they've t- turned it around since then, but the Oilers have turned it around big time. As of recording this podcast, riding a seven-game winning streak, uh, they're now currently tied 1-1 with the Blackhawks in the first period. Connor Bedard opened the scoring, apparently snipe one. Oh, okay. Connor versus Connor. I like we'll, it. We'll see. I mean, maybe the Blackhawks and the uh the winning streak here. The Oilers closed as minus 490 favorites. Ouch. Like just outrageous. Like that is just like an insane that's that has to be like one of the biggest favorites of the year in the 100%. NHL. Yeah. Closing as a 490 favorite. But anyway, we'll see if they can make it eight in a row. But during this seven-game winning streak, they're first in the NHL in goals per game, first in goals against per game. Their power play operating at 43.5%. They have the second-ranked penalty kill at over 95%. They're only three points out of the final wildcard spot with two games in hand. Are they back, Lapore? Because I officially wrote them off and said that their season was over. But as we also talked about, the Western Conference is pretty terrible outside of the top teams. And at this point, it looks like the Oilers are probably going to sneak in. They're they're not going to finish top three in the division. Like, I don't think they're going to catch the Kings, Canucks, or Golden Knights. But based on who they're trying to chase in the wild card race... I think Edmonton's going to get in at this point, even though I wrote them off a month ago. What's the points total right now that gets you in in the West? So right now, the Coyotes, oh my God, the Coyotes have the second wild card and they're 500. Yeah, it's a complete joke. Wow. Because I always look at it, like I'll look at the Oilers and say, okay, they have, what do they have? They have 67 games left and they have 25 points. So I'd say, well, they need... They need the 70 more points, right? Because then okay, they need they need the not they need the um the uh the 90 95 points, but it's not gonna be that high. So Maybe yeah, they it's need for... like 90, 91 to get it. Yeah. Well, what was it last year? Wasn't it like 88? 
last year or something. It was low. Yeah, was that two right years ago? West, was that two years season. ago? Was it two years ago where it was very low in the West? Yeah, so last or season, East. the Jets had the second wildcard spot, 95 points. Actually, okay. seven of the eight playoff teams in the West had 100 or more points last season. Okay. So it was two years ago? Two years ago. In the West? In the West. Um, there wasn't quite as many teams with 100 points, um, but the second wildcard seed was actually Nashville, 97 points. Mm-hmm. So 95 last year, 97 the year before that. Going back three years, okay. Now we're getting into like the the COVID years, and yeah. this is all all over the place. But yeah, the last two years, ninety five and ninety seven points. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take that many points this year to get in. It's funny for a Leaf fan to have done this, yet, but the Oilers have fifty seven games left, and I said sixty seven. So ha ha ha, the Leafs fans got sixty seven in his brain. So <laughs> 50, 57 games left, and yeah. They would need like 65 to 70 points to get in, which is not easy. And like they're on a tear right now. And it's funny how emotional we get when they were losing. It's like, ah, no chance. This team's done. Season's over. Trade McDavid. And now they go on this tear and it almost feels like it's a given that they're going to get in. But there's still a lot of work to do because I always try to look at the pace a team needs. And you do get to a certain point and people will look at numbers like that and say, yeah, the Oilers can get, you know, 70 points in 57 games. And yeah, they totally can. But when you have that window, all it takes is like one losing streak where you lose three, you're on the pace and then you lose three or four in a row and you're done or you start losing shootouts or overtimes or something. So it looks good for them now, but I'm not going to completely say they're they're out of it. I did say when we talked about this weeks ago that I hope they I was hoping they would make it interesting because it would be fun. It'd be fun to watch them race for it and be hilarious because let's say they are to get in. Who the fuck wants to play the Oilers in the first round? I don't care who you are. You don't want to play McDavid in the first round. So I'm I'll be paying attention, man, just to see how this goes with, with Edmonton. But right now, Bruno, the briefcase of a million dollars, if you're right, do the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs? I think they get in. And I'm completely changing my mind from three to four weeks ago when I wrote them off and I said their season was over. I said, we'll see you next year, Edmonton. I even sent out a tweet about it. I talked about it on the podcast. But at the time that I was chirping them and talking about how terrible they were when they were two, nine and one, I also mentioned that they were going to go on a run. I think we all saw this coming at some point that that team has too much individual talent with their top end guys to not go on a run. Now, did I think that they were going to win seven or eight in a row? Maybe not, but that's exactly what they've done to get back into it. The issue is, as you said, Lapore, if they even lose three of four or they go like one, three and one over five, they lose four out of five, five out of six, like that's another nail in the coffin, basically. Like you can't yeah. afford that again. And sure, they still might be chasing some pretty terrible teams in the West, but if those teams can still hover above 500, play solid hockey, you know, as we said, maybe finish with 90 to 92 points. They're probably going to get in. So if the Oilers go on one more losing streak, and I'm not even going to say they're going to lose like five in a row, but lose, like I said, three out of four, four out of six, five out of seven, like then you're, you're behind the eight ball again. And then you need to once again, rip off a crazy winning streak. So I think the odds are still against them, but I'm going to say they get in just because of the, the quality of of teams above them. I think some of these teams are pretty terrible, honestly. 
Yeah, like even uh, like Nashville, I know they're in a playoff spot right now. I think they stink. The Coyotes kind of stink, even though you know they're making they're taking strides from what we've seen over the last few seasons. The Blues kind of stink. The, the Flames aren't very good. So like this is who they're this is who they're battling right now. And I think the Oilers. It's safe to say they're the best team of all those teams. And even if you look at the underlying numbers, like XGF percentage, the Oilers are second in the NHL in XGF. Like they have Ooh. good underlying numbers and they have pretty much the whole season. Their goaltending's just been trash. But right now, Kings actually lead the league in expected goals four percentage. The Oilers are number two and the Hurricanes are number three. So, I mean, I know it's not the be all and end all, but pretty interesting stat. Yeah. I, I, there's things always seem to play out the same way though. That like the number, like how I said, the, the coyotes are 500. Now, if Edmonton catches them, they'd have to be better than that. But I still think it's unlikely that, that, that you get in, in the eighties, like we've seen it before, as I mentioned, but 86 points or something is not going to get you in. I don't care. Someone's going to turn it on. Someone's going to flip a switch and turn it on and, and get those spots. You at least have to aim aim for 90. You have to. Yeah, got to get at least 90 to get To have a chance. And I mean, again, there's there's always uh, like isolated years, but I don't know, man. The Oilers, I think they're confident. I think that's the thing right now. They have swagger. You watch them play and they're expecting to win. And you watch them on home ice. Man, they're, they're just, they're flying out there. And McDavid's gone gone into God mode. I don't yeah, know. Like, we... Even if you look at the books right now, Laporte, depending on where you're looking at, there's one book I'm looking at. To make the playoffs, they're minus 390. So, like, that's an overwhelming yes, according yeah. to Vegas, that this team is, you know, the implied probability of them making the playoffs is very high. And again, they're still chasing teams, but... It looks like Vegas has absolutely no faith in the Coyotes or the Predators, for that matter. No, well, like I said, Bruno, there's 57 games to go. So at the, at the end of the day, the better team should be where they're supposed to be, right? And Nashville is—I mean, funny how they beat the Leafs earlier this year. But you look at their personnel. You look at the personnel of the Coyotes, and I like the Coyotes actually. Um, I like the Coyotes as well. I think they got a great group of young players. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun to watch. And Clayton Keller might might be in. He plays in Arizona. He might be the most underrated player in the league. Like he's an absolute blast to watch. What a talent! Um, but still, it's Edmonton. Like they just have the depth and the scoring that over the last three quarters of the season. Like I'm not saying I don't know if I agree with a minus three ninety just based on the math and what they have to pull off, but. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think a big piece of the pie is saying that they get into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think they're probably going to get in. It'll still be pretty tight down the stretch. Again, it's going to it's going to depend on how these other teams play around them because I, I I think I'm pretty confident that Edmonton should play between like let's say a 90 and 95 point pace the rest of the season. It's Fire. just will Arizona actually do that? Will the Predators do that? Will the Blues do that? Or the Wild? Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I think it's easy to say that the Oilers are the best team out of that mix, and it's just a matter of are they going to get good goaltending because that was their problem when they were playing terribly. And listen, defensively they were a mess too. But McDavid, like, did you see how quick he just flew up the NHL 
leaderboard in points. Like it was well, insane. Had, it was like 13 points in four games or something stupid. Just outrageous. Was he good. was like a hundredth in scoring, like barely a point a game. And then like five games later, he's like top 12 in scoring. Yeah. You know what, man? I'm going to put out a hot take on the GFP podcast. And maybe it's not a hot take, depending on how you look at it. I'm going to say the Oilers catch the Canucks. Wow. I'm going to say they finish in the top three. <laughs> oh, my God. So yeah. you went from, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, to now they're going to catch the Canucks. Yeah, I think they're going to catch the Canucks. Now I think they are. Like, if I, again, if I had to bet, I would say they are. And I just look at it, a lot of games, how good they look. And there's always the thing of when you get to the end of the year and you have to win games, I find the teams that really have the talent and really have to win those games do pull it off. So I think we could see something at the end of the season, the last 15 or 20 games where the Oilers just go on a tear. And I'm going to say the Oilers make the playoffs and I'm going to say it's not a wild card. Wow. That, that is a take. That is sure. a take. But they do Stamp have three it. games in hand on the Canucks. Yeah. Three I'm, games in hand on the and I'm sure they, Canucks. And they, I'm sure they have to play them a few more times and... Well, the Canucks smashed them, right? Was it twice they smashed them earlier in the season? Yeah, very early in the season. And we mm. saw the Oilers last year to close out the year. I think it was like 17-2-1, something outrageous like that over their last 20 games. So, I mean, listen, when you have two of the top five players in the world, anything is possible. I don't think they're going to finish top three. I think those three teams are just going to – not that they're going to pull away. I just think they have too big of a cushion at this point for Edmonton to catch them, but – I love that hot take, man. That is a take right there. The Oilers are going to catch the Canucks. Yeah. Jeez, I like that, Laporte. And, and I'm a BC boy, so my family out there is uh, throwing shit at their screen right now. Very, very upset with me. Oh, come on, Lapore. Come on, yeah, man. I know. I do All love right. my Canucks, man. Is there is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? Uh I mean, the Oilers are always fun to talk about, Bruno. So I'm glad I'm glad we dabbled on that. We should actually go over it. We've done 126 shows. How many in how many shows have we not spoken about the Edmonton Oilers? The Oilers, man, they're just fun to talk about. Oh, Almost we, as I, fun as the Leafs. We've probably mentioned them, maybe not in a hundred of the 126, but mm. something in the 90s, maybe 80s and mm. 90s. I'd say. Are they the number two team? 100. percent yeah, that we've talked about on the show. I, I would say so. Yeah, I feel like we, I mean, I feel like we used to talk about Montreal a lot more. Like Montreal yeah, we was used always to, especially topic. during the COVID years. And then obviously when the Leafs they and Habs were in the us. playoffs and the Leafs embarrassed themselves, we were talking a lot about the Habs. We have barely talked about the Habs over the last couple and they're doing couple well. Seasons. They're doing they well. They are surprising they're, people. They're quietly having a pretty decent season, but we're still but not going to talk about you, Montreal. It's funny though, right? I mean, as we were just talking about the Oilers and how they can turn it around. At what? So like Montreal is playing above their initial expectations. Okay. And, you know, I'll use a team in the division, Buffalo. Based on expectations, I'd say they're below, right? At how many games do you say as a fan, okay, this is the reality? 20, 30, 40? I always find that interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty much at the reality right now. And maybe there's a couple outliers. As we said, the Oilers are an outlier. I think it's safe to say. But right now, it's like it's pretty much the reality. What you see is kind of what you're going to get from your so you team think Montreal, forward. So you think Montreal is like a 500 hockey team? 
Yeah, and honestly, I think Montreal, like, they've exceeded expectations. I thought they'd be a lot worse than they are. Um, I think they're going to hover around 500 the rest of the year. Um, there's been some other teams in the Atlantic that have just been shitty this year. Like we said, like the Sabres, they, they've been garbage. The Senators have been garbage. Um, even, the, even the Lightning have been struggling. But the Habs, man, they've I, and again, it's not like the Habs are like tearing up the conference or the division, but they're 12, 13, and 3. Um, I mean, they're bad. Like, let, let's not sugarcoat it here. Like, they have a <laughs> minus 21 goal differential, but I thought they'd be like a lot worse than they are record-wise. Bruno, I'm going to pump my tires here. In the preseason when we did the uh, the Futures points, I put Montreal over, man, because I always say teams are never that bad. Whenever there's a team they think it's going to be fucking 50 points, or no, they're they're never that bad. They always surprise people. Can you imagine they finish ahead of the Senators, your second favorite team? Bro, bro, bro. I, I When it comes to the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators, and they've played each other in the playoffs, Michael Lepore, huge Leafs fan who lives in Ottawa and is surrounded by Ottawa Senators fans, and there's a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans in this city as well. My saying is always, man, I'm so excited just to sit back and enjoy the show. If the Montreal Canadiens finish ahead of the Ottawa Senators, that would be fucking hilarious in the city. The reactions and the chirping that would be done on the side of the Montreal Canadiens fans and the the defending that would be done on the side of the Ottawa Senators fans, it would be absolutely hilarious. So I would love to sit back and watch that show. Oh, and I would love to talk about that because you know we're going to talk about that. If the Habs finish ahead of the Senators, and I sent out a tweet when the Leafs beat the Senators about a week ago, and I said, listen, Toronto has not missed the playoffs in the Matthews, Marner, and Nylander era dating back to 2016-2017. And the Senators, who I've been told now for years, are going to take that next step. They're going to take a leap. They are on pace to miss the playoffs for a seventh straight season. They look terrible once again. So it's a disaster in Ottawa. They got, they got and maybe they'll tonight. turn it around. And maybe we'll, we'll save it for the next episode of this podcast. But if they finish behind the Montreal Canadiens, we might have to dedicate a two-hour podcast to that. I love it. It's two to one Edmonton, by the way, our boy. Uh, oh, our is boy, it? Our boy Jeez. Gagne scored. Yeah, so. Jeez. They're making it, man. They're making it. Here they come. Here they come. All well right. Said. Well, I guess that's going to do it for episode 126 of the GFP podcast, the gluttons for punishment podcast, 126 deep. Jeez. I know we said this at a hundred. I, I didn't think we'd make it this far. And here we are, baby. Here we are. And the Leafs still stink through it all in the grand yeah. scheme of things. They still can't win anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how the Leafs play over the next little bit. Um, because they seem to have turned a corner over the last, you know, three to five games. And uh, they're still dealing with injuries, but I think they're they're going to turn things around. But as always, um, if you're a longtime listener, first-time listener, you really enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really enjoy the content, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below. And ring the notification bell while you're at it so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is dropping some new content. For Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. The Leafs are back, baby. Let's go. We will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.